This is your podcast for all things refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 19. Our topic highlight today is all about owning your own retail shop. We went back to our archives and pulled from two well-known refinishers who have taken the risk and now operate their own retail spaces. You'll hear from Sarah Little with Olive and Fern and Fabby Brown with Blush and Ivy Design. Jen with Lindesa Furniture shares her reasons for avoiding custom work. Chelsea with Apple Blossom Way, Melinda with Yellow Creek Interiors, and Kelsey with Mini Furniture Flip share what's happening in their studios this week. Brigid with Blackberry Hills Refinishing gives accolades to Jennifer with Save by Design. Stay with us. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. Hey friends, today our primary focus will be on owning your own retail shops. We went back to Season 3, Episode 36, to hear from our interview with Sarah Little with Olive and Fern as she shares about her own experiences in running a retail space. Stay tuned as we will also hear from our good friend Fabby Brown with Blush and Ivy Design from Season 3, Episode 10. She also runs her own retail shop and loves it. We hope you enjoy today's focus. I would venture to say that many of our furniture finishing listeners have thought a time or two about having their own shops. Maybe it was a fleeting thought, or maybe it's been a lifelong desire. It's always beneficial to hear and glean from others who have fulfilled what many of you are contemplating. Sarah, has this been a lifelong dream to have a retail shop? You know, I would say it's been a dream to have my own business. It wasn't necessarily retail shop at first. Um, I actually ran a bakery out of my house for many years before I switched over to furniture So that was really a dream to have my own store opened and the baking, it didn't work out. I had just had Olive and it was just too much for one person to take on. Everyone wants their cakes on the weekend. So I wasn't sleeping for like, you know, two nights in a row to get everything done and fresh and on time. Mm -hmm. So I just, it was, I definitely burned out with that, Um, which is another reason I appreciate furniture because I don't have a deadline of when, you know, it needs to be painted. It's definitely, (laughs) you know, you don't have to eat the dresser afterwards. So it's all good. (laughs) Don't have to stick it in the oven. Yes. So um, it's, it's still surreal, you know, to, to have my own place. It was a dream for a long time and it's, you know, coming to fruition and it's an exciting journey. So, you know, you think about the process of having a business and in this case, having a retail shop, you know, you start with a vision and then it becomes reality. So we want to kind of cover in, you know, between the vision and reality, I think, to give folks just some insight. Um, And I'll ask you some questions to sort of help pull that out. So this first Mm -hmm. question is, what obstacles did you face initially when you said, okay, it's time, I got to do a retail shop? what kind of things did you have to deal with that uh, were not necessarily the kindest things? Let's see. So I guess to start, it was more just figuring out if it was the right step for me. Like, is this the right time to do it? Am I ready? First it was, can I quit my job and do this full time? And that I actually didn't spend too long thinking about. I knew that I was too busy with furniture and I needed more time in my week to do it. I was selling enough that, you know, I couldn't, I wasn't really keeping up per se. Mm -hmm. So I was able to quit my job and do furniture full time. And then within that year, I actually had 
a friend who owned a large building and had a section of it that was a small retail section that wasn't rented and it had been vacant for about three years. So he was really looking to get someone in there and had reached out to me to see if I'd be interesting because interested. He knew I was doing furniture and he was able to work with me on rent. So I kind of had like a sliding scale for the first six months and that kind of sealed the deal for me. Not that, and I guess that's maybe not that helpful. <laughs> that's probably not <laughs> the norm for anyone, you know, going into it. But well, then again, you know, there are a lot of small businesses that unfortunately didn't make it through COVID. So now might actually be a really opportune time to try to get into something like that. Cause I imagine there are retail locations for rent and stuff that might, you know, people might be more considerate as far as offering deals. Obviously the biggest obstacle I would say is money. Like what is this going to cost me upfront? Do I need to take out a business loan? If you have really bad credit like me, that's not an option. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, everything was, has been out of pocket for me, which is definitely a struggle, but I feel like it also keeps things in balance. Mm -hmm. I know like I'm not overspending because I can't. <laughs> and that's, that I think is a really big thing is making sure that like, obviously when you're opening a place, you, you're not expected to necessarily make a profit for a couple of years. So you're just kind of in that limbo zone for a while. Uh, so another part was when I had opened my first retail location, it was rather small. So I had furniture there and I did some vintage decor and then I started carrying um, fusion mineral paint. And that was about all the shop could fit. And when I moved to my new location, I knew it was a bigger space. So in order to fill it and bring in foot traffic, I decided to start carrying a lot more smaller retail items. And for me, that has probably been the biggest challenge so far is striking that balance with small retail items. I probably quadrupled my foot traffic, the amount of people that would come into the shop. Wow. And yeah, it, it's, it's been really interesting to see how this is all developing because I pretty much just jumped into this. I, I have no, um, you know, experience running my own business before this. So it's been, you know, a lot of trial and error. And the biggest thing for me right now is I have a lot of foot traffic coming into the shop, which is great all comparatively to where I was before. And so a lot of people are able to come in and see the furniture and see what I do. And hopefully in the future, they'll say, oh, I need this piece. And I saw, you know, what this place has for furniture. So I'm hoping that's also going to be an added benefit mm -hmm. in that aspect. But the amount of time that it takes to sit down and, you know, figure out what kind of retail items you want to bring in, you pick them out, they ship. You have to unbox them. You have to tag them. You have to make displays and constantly like refreshing. And then I wasn't doing nearly as much furniture as before. And the furniture is where you make your money. Mm -hmm. So that is one thing that I've definitely struggled with is finding that balance. I think, you know, it's essential to offer something a little more than just furniture to keep people coming in. But at the same time, if I'm not selling furniture 
or at least enough furniture to justify, you know, the overhead. And so it's, that's definitely been a struggle for me. And right now I feel like I finally hit that point where I have the retail side. I, it's a nice variety, the little something for everyone. It's unique. It's these really cool small businesses I'm able to buy from and local businesses. And now I'm just like kind of switching back to focusing on furniture. And I would say that that's probably, you know, one thing to really consider when are you, do you want to open a shop? Are you ready to take the plunge is how much time you can devote to those kind of things because you get stretched really thin for sure. Mm -hmm. And the last thing you want to do is burn out. How do you find out what to bring into your shop? I mean, do you have like, let's say for example, local folks, do do they come in and say, Hey, I've got, you know, I make, I don't know, soaps, for example, would you be willing to sell them? I mean, do yeah, you quite a bit of that? I do. Um, I mean, not quite a bit, but I would say a good enough amount that I have this really great variety of local handmade goods. And that's definitely a highlight of the shop. People are really starting to appreciate local items more. Um, I think it just seems to be a trend that's maybe even starting since you know, the, the epidemic is people are a little more conscious of where their money's going and they mm-hmm. don't want to see small businesses fail. So I love having the local options there. And then there's a company, it's essentially like a website app that I use that connects you to other small businesses across the U.S. who are, you know, typically startups trying to get their products out there wholesale. So um, that's what I used for any other items that I want. And that way, you know, I'm still, it's still small business and, you know, it's not something that's just being shipped from overseas. So you order directly from that app? Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's uh, called FAIR. Just F-A-R-E or F-A? Um, F-A-I-R-E. F-A-I-R-E. Okay. Very good. Wow. That's really convenient, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's an app and it's, I mean, there's so many businesses on there now, even from, you know, the last two years, they probably doubled their, um, their options. And you just, you get to find some like truly unique items on there. And it's, it's been really exciting to do that. So has all of this met your expectations and would you do it over again? Oh, that is a tough one. I'll admit there are some times where I wonder if I should have just stayed from working at home and just stuck to simply furniture, it would, I essentially would it be less stressful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, every time those thoughts pop up, I'm able to, you know, just head to the shop and open up and I have the best, literally the best clients. Everyone who comes in there is so nice. And, you know, I get to, talk to them about the furniture or people who are wanting to paint their own pieces. I get, I love helping people get started on their own stuff. So I carry everything they need. I got the paint, I got the zebra brushes. I just have, you know, essentially anything that someone would need to refinish their own piece at home. I've got that there. So that's probably my favorite thing to do is be able to go over, help people. And then they actually quite often will send me, photos of what they've done. And it's amazing. Like the things that people do on their first try, it's incredible. So it's to be like inspiring. And then I take a step back and I'm like, 
I love this. I'm so psyched to have my own shop and be able to reach people that way. You know, it's something that I've worked incredibly hard for and to see it being successful is, I I just have to, it's surreal. It's very rewarding, isn't it? It is rewarding. It is. It's exhausting. I don't sleep much, (laughs) but so, so far, definitely worth it. So do you pretty much set your own hours or your hours pretty consistent from week to week? Uh, They are consistent from week to week. I just changed them again. I was open five days a week during the summer, but that was just too much. My main issue with being, I don't, it's okay if I'm there, but I can't paint while I'm open. So typically I'll close after I close for the day. I then go and push a large amount of furniture (laughs) off to the side (laughs) and set up a little area to paint. And then I usually have to, and I work pretty late into the night because that's, you know, the time I have to get stuff done. And then I'll rush there in the morning and try to scramble to put everything back together. And so it's like, it's quite the process <laughs> to even get things painted um, when I'm there. And so that's, I went down to four days a week. So I would have an extra day to just go in and paint and get furniture done. Yeah. It's, it is about just finding that balance between all the, all the responsibilities that you have, even home responsibilities and, refinishing and then probably buying and looking on that fair app and trying to figure out what to, you know, what to bring in. And like you said, unpacking and pricing. I mean, it's just a lot of work. Do you have any hired help? Um, I don't, but it's, I'm in the process of getting set up to hire someone because I know this holiday season, it's going to be busier and it is certainly not a one person job when it gets like that. So I am in the process of hiring someone, which will be, very, very helpful. Yeah, for sure. My house is the dirtiest it's ever been. I do not (laughs) clean nearly as much as I used to be able to. So, you know, the house has suffered. My 12 year old is learning to do laundry and do the dishes and cook. So uh, if you have kids, teach them early so you can open a shop. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Does your 12-year-old enjoy coming down to the shop? Does she help out at all with like customers or is she like talking to customers? She isn't as interested in the shop. She's a little more introverted. So Mm -hmm. her thing is not going in and talking to people. However, Olive is a social butterfly and she begs to go to the shop. In fact, recently she faked being sick to stay home from school so she could come to the shop with me. Did she really? <laughs> yes. So, and it was miraculous when we got there. She she felt fine. <laughs> so just, she, it was uh, what she needed. <laughs> yep, just what she needed. So she uh, was sweeping the floors and helping me with the displays. And she'll sit there and talk someone's ear off. So she, she loves it. She thinks it's so exciting. <laughs> How funny. Do you have any additional recommendations? I mean, you've you've given us some really good insight about your experiences and some of the challenges and obstacles, but uh, anything that you can think of where, you know, you just think it's important to let people know, whether it's positive or negative, that uh, are thinking about opening up a shop? Yeah. So I honestly just want to say, go for it. I mean, it's something that if you are to the point where you are almost convinced 
that you want to go for it, then you really just should. I feel mm. like you would regret it if you didn't. You'd always be wondering, well, what if I had succeeded? What if I had gone for it? So I would say, yeah, just do it. Figure it out. Sit down, crunch the numbers. But I mean, all of that stuff, the administrative stuff, I feel like that all can be figured out. The biggest part is, is just having enough belief in yourself that you can do it. Uh, I don't know. I feel like maybe it, it's an artistic side to kind of always be questioning things like, is this exactly right? Am I ready for this? And that's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. So definitely if you, if it's feasible, if you're at a point in your life where maybe you don't need that much extra income at the moment and you can kind of, you know, survive with, you know, only making X amount each month, then just do it because it's amazing. Well, I think something you said earlier that I thought, you know, that's got to be a real benefit. Maybe a, maybe you call it a, a blessing in disguise, as you mentioned, well, you didn't have great credit. But, you know, some stories I've heard for, from folks is that they go out and get a line of credit and they, you know, they put in a lot of money to make things happen. And then maybe they change their interest or things didn't go as planned. And um, then they have all that debt. So it, you know, maybe that's something to think about too, is from a financial standpoint, is that something that we can do, you know, sort of day by day and make it happen as opposed to, you know, creating a lot of debt um, and not knowing what the outcome is going to be. Right. That is something that I will say, I don't have that weight on my shoulders as far as if this fails, how am I ever going to get through the debt like I've accrued? For me right now, like if this fails, I'm not going to owe anything because mm -hmm. I've been able to, you know, I'm not spending more than what I are than I have at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and so that and I think one of real perk with the furniture business is the majority of what you're putting into a piece of furniture is your time. The I mean, most vintage furniture you're able to get at a very low cost. And as far as supplies go, once you get, I have like invested in, you know, like a good sander and stuff like that. I mean, you don't even necessarily need that like paint and brushes. They're pretty low as, as far as what you're putting into it. So mm -hmm. you're making some really good profits off furniture. And that right there is huge. Like for me, how I looked at it was, if I sell two pieces of furniture, that covers my rent. And then anything I sell after that is going to be like my rent's covered. My utilities are covered. Like most expenses are covered if I sell, you know, three pieces of furniture. So I feel like that's a really good way to look at it. You know, even just something simplistic like that when you're debating, am I ready for a shop? Is this something that I want to do? Is break it down that way. And then if you're able and when you're devoted, you're not splitting your time between a different job and furniture, you're able to refinish more. So mm -hmm. that way you can. And you're, the biggest thing is that you're doing something that you love. Like that's your passion. It's my passion. And I'm so grateful all the time that I'm not going to a job that I hate or something that I don't hate, but it's not fulfilling. Like it's fulfilling, it's creative and it's fun. Hi. 
Hi, it's Megan DeLong with Magdell Design, and this podcast is sponsored by my friends at Zebra Painting. Zebra paintbrushes are my absolute favorite and go-to because I can find one for every project that fits my needs, whether it's for my home or for furniture pieces. The specialty brushes just make it super easy to find one that fits whatever I'm working on. My go-to and my favorite brush by far is the fan brush, and that's because I can use it for round edges on a piece, but it also has really great coverage for the flat surfaces. And the little corner parts of the brush too work really well to get into the nooks and crannies. So I find it to be my all-in-one brush. I use it for paint and for top coats as well. So it's one of my go-tos and my favorites. Thanks, Megan. We appreciate your loyalty to Zebra Paintbrushes. Now back to our topic of owning your own retail space. And we are transitioning now to our interview with Fabi Brown with Blush and Ivy Design. Well, you know, Fabi, a lot of folks in this industry start out as hobbyists, then they make refinishing into a business, and then some go on to their own storefront. You have done just that. That is incredibly exciting. How's your shop doing? Um, it's doing great. Um, so many new and exciting things coming. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really excited. So excited to uh, share everything with you guys. Now, your transition from the studio to the shop was it was during the pandemic, correct? It was during the pandemic. Yeah. So for me, the pandemic has actually been um, a blessing. So, um, yeah, I was able to open up a store back in um, November. I want to say it is now. Yeah. Now, crazy question, but like, would you have still done that? Do you think had the pandemic not occurred or was it was it the environment of the pandemic that sort of drove you to look to have a shop? You know what? It was just one of those things that it was just like the right time. Yeah, it just happened to be the right time. So I had already been looking for space, but this one just presented itself at the perfect time. Okay, so that's interesting. It was one of the questions I wanted to ask is how you went from refinishing to being a shop owner. Um, And so you said you were looking. So what actually triggered that process of like refinishing furniture pretty aggressively? I mean, you do a lot of work to then say, you know what, I really think I'd like to have a shop. Um, I think for me, it was just, I was running out of space um, because I do a lot of my, well, I did a lot of my refinishing out of my garage. So I was definitely running out of space. Also the elements, um, you know, just like sometimes it's raining and I'm mostly refinishing like outside of my garage. So um, here in California, we get a lot of like, what is it? The forest fire. So a lot of like the ashes would fall on the furniture. And so this was one of the reasons why I was like, I need like workspace that's indoor. So I don't have to worry about like all of the elements, you know, that are happening. (laughs) So you actually had ashes falling on your furniture pieces. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it was very frustrating because like I would top coat and then I would get ashes and I, you know, it was just like, I have to do it all over again now. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know even when you, when you put the top coat down, you you don't even want lint or anything, do you? No, no, not at all. (laughs) Not at all. And you know, the wildfires out here in California get really bad. So yeah, we do get ashes for days, sometimes weeks at a time. I guess that is just noticed in the air, the, the clarity of the, the sky and everything then, isn't it? Right. Exactly. Well, well, there's so many options when it comes to having a shop. Some have them as part of their home. Some have them in downtown shops and some in strip centers. What, what is, tell us a little bit about what your location's like. So my location is actually right off of like a downtown um, area in the city of Fontana. 
And um, so I'm like one street over from the downtown. So it's really nice. Um, what I really love about my space is that I do actually have like a storefront and then I have like a workspace in the back, which was one of the main things that I was looking for when looking for a space. I was just thinking in my head because you were talking about working at home out of your garage and then having a shop. That would be a challenge to still be working at home, you know, have your, you know, to have to cart things back and forth. But man, that sounds ideal to have that yeah. uh, space, you know, and you just slide it from the back to the front. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's been amazing. So is your space hard to find? It was hard to find. Actually, I've been looking for a couple years and have not been able to find anything that either was the right size or had, you know, the both mixed use type of situation. Um, and just really just budget wise, you know, I am in Southern California. So, you know, it does tend to be a little more expensive out here. So yeah, this one just presented itself and it was within budget. So it just all worked out. That's such a big step, isn't it? And especially you coming from a finance background, uh, really knowing numbers well and budgets and because you really incur quite a bit of additional expense, not only from the the rent or the lease, but also but you know like electrical additional electrical bills insurance yeah everything insurance security cameras uh the monthly yeah. charge yeah yeah it's just a lot goes into it. water trash gas yeah so it's just like a whole other payment like if you were to have another mortgage payment type of situation so you you have obviously have the advantage of having the finance background and really understanding, you know, uh, budgets. How did you know when it was the right time? I mean, because I guess what I'm thinking is not everybody has that gift and that ability to really understand from a financial standpoint where this is the right time. Cause I would imagine it's easy to go, you know what, I'm doing a lot of work. I'm busy. You know, I can have a shop. I can sell those pieces. I can also sell other things, but it's not always right for everybody from a financial standpoint. Yeah. And I think that that's where, you know, how much you're going to end up paying for your actual lease is going to come into play. Like you um, definitely want to get like a longer lease so that, you know, usually when you get a longer lease, um, the landlords tend to give you a little bit of a break. So that also helps like, you know, in your search, like, you know, a extended lease will help you get a better, how, how do I say it? Uh, like rent. <laughs> yeah. A better rent, a better, um, a better deal. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the challenge too, I guess, because a lot of people are not sure how it's going to go. So, you know, they're a little bit nervous about uh, locking in a long, longer lease, right? Yeah. And that can be scary. So that's why I, I would just recommend that you really just do like a, you know, write down like all of the expenses that you think that you're going to have as, you know, your rent and, you know, it's just so much goes into it. And you definitely want to make sure that when you find a place that you're going to lease that it is definitely like, it makes sense. It has to don't like over get a place that's super expensive. You're like, Oh, well, I can cover this. I can do because you know what, it's just going to be too stressful. I say, start with something small. And if you have to kind of build your way up and do that as well, that's also a great way to do it. Well, it's interesting. I'm hearing you talk about this, not with any negative tones at all. I mean, it sounds like you're really on top of this and and I I would assume enjoying it. I'm having a great time. It has been um, so fun. I didn't even know that I could do this. Like, 
uh, have a store and, you know, I knew that I refinished furniture, but I've never been a store owner. So it's been really exciting. Um, I do sell uh, my store in the front. I sell um, vintage um, boho home decor. Mm-hmm. So it's just been a lot of fun to go out and do a whole lot more thrifting now because that's typically where I get my products. And so I get to thrift like almost every single day. So that has been really <laughs> fun. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's a lot, isn't it? I mean because you you want to always keep uh, product in in the front of the store, and you also want it to kind of be changing, so it's not the same thing exactly. every time. Mm-hmm. I suppose you get new foot traffic in, but you want to get people who uh, are consistent at coming back, and so that's uh, that's a bit of a challenge. You know, speaking of challenges, when you expanded into having a shop, um, you'd obviously still still are refinishing any challenges that you face that have been extraordinarily tough um i wouldn't say i've had any challenges no it's you know it's just been really just learning um how to be a store owner because you know i was already a refinisher so really still already self-employed but it's just um, just learning how to be a store owner um it was funny because when i first started i had to learn how to like ring people up again um and that was like my first <laughs> job out of high school so it was like that was a learning process um i found myself getting nervous like ringing people up that i guess that was one of the challenges yeah is getting used to being a cashier year again <laughs> yeah but it has a different perspective with with you ringing people up and it's your own business <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's a lot different i'm doing it with so much joy because i know that all the profit is mine <laughs> yes yes that's so cool now how often do you keep your furniture pieces i mean are you always like i guess i guess my question is that's a juggle how are you doing that because you know refinishing furniture is not like a quick thing no, it's not. So you know what? I let me backtrack. That has been my challenge: is finding time and managing um, my time for refinishing furniture and keeping the storefront stocked. That's where it's been a little uh, challenging: is just managing that time um, because it has it. You know, a store does take up a lot of time. Now, do you like schedule your weeks? Do you like look at your week and go, okay, um, stores open these days, these hours? Obviously, you have a family, uh, and then you've got to be able to know when you're going to be working on pieces that that you that you can then place for show out on the the floor, right? So, you pretty detailed with schedules, or how, did, how does that work? <laughs> I wish I could say I was. I'm actually not that person. That is one thing that I am not. Um, <laughs> the best dad. I'm uh, pretty much like all over the place. Um, <laughs> um, You're a multitasker. But yeah, yeah I'm a multitasker. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. It's just you know. I try to do like my shopping like early in the week, and then like towards like let's say Wednesday through Friday, I'm either working on furniture and I try to get everything staged by the weekend, and you know. But I do work on furniture every single day. Um, that has not stopped, but it's just not as fast because, of course, I have to also take pictures of the inventory in the store now as well. So yeah. that take you know all of that takes up a lot of time. Now, do you have uh, employees? Or are you pretty much running the show from Monday to Friday? Yeah, it's just me. My uh, my husband helps me. My daughter helps me as well. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, it's just me. Oh, that's so cool. I, yeah. I love family businesses. I think that's so neat when, when your kids can get involved. And um, that's such a value to them, you know, to and on many levels, I would imagine, just the responsibility of helping out and then 
I'm sure they're probably meeting new people, especially when people come in and that's, that is just invaluable. That's, that's really neat. Now, when you are there working in the back, are you able to, to keep the front open working in the back and be aware like what's going on and stop and go out and help people? Is that the way you do it? Or do you pretty much when you're in the back, the store's closed? Um, no. So luckily my husband is always with me at the store. So, um, if I'm in the back working, he'll be in the front, um, just tending to like the door, you know, customers and stuff. And then he'll just call me like, you know, when somebody walks in, then I'll come to the front of the store full of paint and dust, but it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cause they're like, yeah, she's producing another piece. I can't wait till when she brings it out. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's funny because I, I joked uh, with uh, Kristen Litko with Shecto Interiors, you know, because she has a store and does refinishing and right. she also does refinishing in the back. And I, I think I was joking about the fact I said, you need to, because I think she's got a window, uh, but she's got curtains or something up. But I said, that would be cool to have a window so people could watch you working on the, you know, on the refinishing. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think people would find that really interesting. It's like when you walk up to those fudge shops and they've got windows and you're standing there watching them, you know, mixing and molding the, the fudge. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I thought about when you said that. <laughs> well, if you guys do that, you'll have to let me know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, um, you know, one of the questions I have about a shop, and I've always kind of wondered this, but so you've, you've got all your stuff out front in the shop, you're working on some things in the back, and then I assume as you're like getting more pieces or finding things to sell, how do you know what to put out? I mean, because you're always, do you ever, um, what's the word, kind of like revolve things? Like if something's out in the front, it's been out for a few days, hasn't sold, do you put it back and then put something in its place? What, what's the process like? Um, I typically just like to leave stuff, you know, for a couple weeks. And if it's not moving, then yes, I will take it to the back and then kind of like switch it out. Because of course, you know, when people walk in, I want them to be able to see new merchandise and new pieces. And, you know, they can always find, you know, reference back to my Instagram to see what other inventory I have. Now, so what about the, so you said you sell a lot of vintage stuff. Do you sell new things as well? I do. I sell some new things too. So I incorporating a lot more new boho items as well, which is why I'm down here in Los Angeles right now, because I am actually going to meet up with some wholesalers right now to bring some more new inventory. Yep. Now listeners, that's just accolades to Fabby because she's very busy. <laughs> she took time <laughs> out of her schedule at a wholesale market, I'd assume, and yes. uh, to, to talk with us. Uh, that's, that's uh that's good timing too, though, because it's top of mind, right? Yes, <laughs> exactly. <buying> stuff. <laughs> exactly. And I guess it's probably just a gut thing, like how you know what to get and based on what you like or what you'd have in your home. Exactly. That's exactly it. I just go off of what I would like and what I think um, would look nice in a home. And um, I just hope that others will love it. Um, so far, so good. So, um, you know, it's been that plan and what I do has been working really well. So oh, that's so good to hear. Now, I want to ask you, uh, obviously, we're not asking for the details of this question. But, you know, when you think about a business, you know, a lot of people, as I mentioned earlier, go from hobbyist to actually sell, you know, selling their pieces. And the bottom line is you want to be profitable. Have you found that this, has this been a good step for you from a financial standpoint? For me, yes, it has. It has been great. I have no regrets. Um, So yeah, it has been great for me. Good. Very good. Well, what, what cautions 
you know, I don't, maybe that's not the right word, but we'll throw it out there anyway. What cautions would you give to someone who is thinking about following your footsteps? I mean, it, whether it's, I don't know, a personality thing, like, you know, what advice, cautions, or anything would you want people to know? You know, maybe they have their own studio right now, but they're thinking about having a shop, but they're just really not sure what to do. I would just say just um, make sure that you have a business plan in motion um, before you, you know, actually sign in leases and mm -hmm. don't get too overwhelmed with like the pricing of the place that you're going to lease. Just kind of stay within your budget and maybe even a little lower, you know, than what you feel because at the beginning it is going to, it does take some time to get a business, you know, going. Another thing would be is because I've seen this far too many times. So I have to say it. If you're going to start a business, I always just say start a business by yourself if you're re when you're ready or with your spouse, because I've seen too many relationships like uh, not survive of uh, businesses, business partnerships. Yeah, that's a strain, isn't it? Because, you know, everybody has different ideas of how to run a business and you have so many decisions to make. Yes. And yeah, that can be a challenge. That's, that's good advice as well. Yes. Well, it sounds like you are having a lot of fun, Fabi. I am. I'm having a great time. I'm super excited. I'm in the early stages of rolling out um, classes also. So, you know, a lot of great things happening over at uh, Blush and Ivy Studios for sure. So those classes, are those furniture refinishing classes? Yeah, furniture refinishing classes. I'll be doing like mommy and me classes. Yeah, all sorts of like date night classes, all sorts of fun stuff. Thanks, Aaron Fabi. You both inspire us. And I hope for many out there who are considering opening their own shop that they'll find this episode incredibly helpful. Today's refinishing tip comes from Jen with Lindeza Furniture. Hey, furniture friends. This is Jen Nielsen from Lindeza Furniture. And I'm here to share a few of my favorite hints for restoring before and after furniture. So mine tip is kind of unique because not everyone can relate and not everyone can do this, but this was what works for me. So I actually don't do customer furniture restorations. Instead, I pick my own furniture um, from I find it on several different sites like Facebook Marketplace or KSL, a local classifieds here in Utah. And then I like to restore them exactly how I want. And it allows me to be creative. And if I want to change something, if I want to, um, you know, if I change a direction in the middle of doing the restoration, I feel like I can do that versus going with a client and having to do it exactly the way that they want it. And so my tip is it kind of allowed me to be able to use this as a fun hobby for me to kind of um, an outlet, a creative outlet. And I've actually financially been successful as well. So I take a different route than maybe the traditional furniture restorer, but it works for me. And I love that I can use my own hours. There's no deadlines. If I'm busy, then I don't have to do it. I recently had a baby boy and it's allowed me to be a little bit more with him than I, I normally don't have that extra little guy around to, you know, so I, it actually has been really helpful to kind of put my paintbrush down and be with him. So for me, my tip is to kind of go with what your heart tells you. If you want to make it 
more of a business by taking on clients, then go that way. If you want to make it more of a artistic outlet, then maybe go the way that I'm describing, which is um, buying your own furniture and flipping it and doing exactly what you want and on your timeline. So that's my tip today. Be sure to check out my Instagram. Again, it's Lindeza Furniture. Um, And thank you so much for letting me be on here. Thank you, Jen. That is one of the cool things about furniture finishing business. You can fashion it around what is best for you and your family. It's time to hear what your refinishing friends are up to. Here are a few reporting on what they're working on in their studios this week. Hey, everyone. It's Chelsea from Apple Blossom Way. I want to thank Zebra Painting for having me on this podcast and share what I'm working on. This week, I'll be prepping for my Reiku Pottery-inspired furniture workshop in my newest class, Elements Paint the Earth. I like to teach my signature finishes in two ways. The first is breaking down the finish into steps, and the second is a practical application of how to take those steps and translate it onto a piece of furniture. This week is all about prep work, prepping my canvas boards into a step-by-step format, and prepping a dresser to paint for the practical application of my Reiku finish. If you're not sure where that is, check out my Facebook or Instagram page and see for yourself. I also have a surprise coming this weekend. I cannot wait to share with all of you, so be sure you drop by Apple Blossom Way on any of my social media platforms and check it out. Hi everyone, it's Melinda over at Yellow Creek Interiors. This week in the shop, I'm working on a couple of different projects. I've been stripping the legs on a vintage buffet that I picked up on Facebook Marketplace a couple of weeks ago. I've got a client piece that I've been working on. It's a secretary desk, and I'm going to be painting it in Jacob's Well Green by Melange, and I cannot wait to try this color. And then the third piece I'm working on, although normally I'm a sprayer, I've already started hand brushing a second secretary using Fusion Paints Raw Silk. Stay tuned to my stories this week. I'm really hoping to finish one of these projects before we leave for vacation next week. Hey everyone, Kelsey from Mini Furniture Flip here. This week in my studio, I am working on a pair of nightstands. I am trying to turn these $50 IKEA nightstands into a Pottery Barn dupe. So stay tuned and see how they turn out this week. Thank you, friends. Listeners, make sure you go check out their social media feeds. Accolades is defined as an acknowledgement of merit. Welcome to one of our newer podcast segments called, well, Accolades. We wanted to give refinishers the opportunity to give accolades to their fellow refinishers that they admire for their extraordinary finishing skills and hard work. This week's accolades are given by Brigid with Blackberry Hills Refinishing. Hi there, I'm Brigid with Blackberry Hills Refinishing, and I want to give accolades to Jennifer at Saved by Design. Her talent and knowledge of refinishing furniture is extremely helpful and inspiring. I am grateful for her willingness to share obstacles that we as refinishers unfortunately know can happen all too often, and then what works best for her to overcome them. She shares tips and tricks that have definitely come in handy, and sometimes I think it's those small things that are the most helpful. Her Instagram feed is absolutely stunning. Her style is modern, classic, and best of all, it is timeless. Her attention to detail is impressive, and it shows how much love and hard work is put into all of her beautiful pieces. Thanks, Brigid, and accolades, Jennifer. (music) 
The trends in furniture refinishing constantly evolve and new ideas emerge, but there are constants, and one of those is incorporating exposed wood into your pieces. With that in mind, the judges for the Zebra Review wanted to see your refinished pieces with exposed wood for the month of June. You can have the entire piece in wood or just a portion, but seeing the wood grain is what we are after, so even light washes are acceptable. Tag your exposed wood pieces that were refinished from June 1st through June 30th, 2022 with the hashtag TheZebraReview. Our five judges will be choosing three winners. Our judges are Jen of Perfectly Imperfect Furniture, R-E-S, Katie Cloud of Katie Cloud, Katie Scott of Salvage by K. Scott, Lauren Schwatina of Portland Rose Studio, and Sarah of Sitting Pretty Home Decor. Our sponsors this month include The Real Milk Paint Company, D. Lawless Hardware, Surf Prep Sanding, and Zebra Paintbrushes. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebras Before and After Furniture Refinishing Podcast. Today's episode, along with information about today's guest, is also featured on enjoyzebra.com under the podcast tab at the bottom. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share them by sending your emails to me at laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and happy refinishing.